good to see you this morning. And like Michael said, we're continuing uh, walking through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching his followers. That's really important for us to remember that, that this teaching, while it's hard, it's, it's for followers of Jesus. And today, our passage is no exception when it comes to the hard because it's about our enemies It's about what God says about our enemies. And when my youngest son heard what the passage was about, he was very quick to say, well, mom, you have got to talk about Michigan. He said, you know, he is a Buckeye fan. You can't leave that out. He's definitely his father's son. And... So loving our enemies, our enemies, that's, that's really difficult. That's a really hard command. I know it's something I have and do struggle with. And it's also really against our culture, what our culture says, isn't it? Our culture tells us to get even. If somebody has done something bad to you, well, then you have every right to do something back and to retaliate. And when I've thought about the word enemy over the course of my life, I think what usually comes to mind real quick is someone who's really evil, who intentionally does bad things. But as I've looked closer at the definition of enemy and what God says about it, what the, the language means here in our passage, I've actually found a much more true definition of the meaning of enemy. It's on the screen for us this morning. So an enemy is anyone who comes along your path, who offends, angers, disappoints, dishonors, irritates, threatens, opposes, who harms, or causes difficulty to you. So that's a pretty broad definition. A lot of people now start to fit into that category of enemy. We have a wide array of enemies that we see when we look at this definition. So it can range from someone who is literally trying to bring you physical harm or take your life, to someone who may cut you off as you're driving on the interstate or who may jump in front of you real quick in line when you're trying to check out at the grocery store and you're in a hurry. Our enemies will be those who don't follow Jesus and they will also be those who do follow Jesus. They will be our friends. They will be our family. And whether it's someone we see as a big enemy or a little enemy, all of them hurt us. All of them bring hurt. So I want to tell you something that happened one night in my home. It happened in the laundry room of all places. Um, It was a discussion that my husband and I were having. I can't even really remember what we were talking about or how it got started, but we were down there taking care of some clothes, and everything was going just fine, but 
something happened. We, we started to not see eye to eye about this anymore. We started to disagree. Maybe you, some of you know what that's like. Hopefully I'm not alone in this. <laughs> and, you know, I would really like to say that this story, that this event happened when we were newly married. I was a new bride. I was 21 years old, learning what it is to become a good wife. But I'm embarrassed to say I was actually 41 years old when this happened. And I'm still 41 years old, so that gives you a good idea that this was super recent, embarrassingly so. But Ben wasn't agreeing with me, and something happened. I started to feel this anger bubble up, bubble up, and before I knew it, I was yelling at him. I was telling him that he was crazy, that he couldn't see things how I saw them, and I proceeded to slam the door to the clothes dryer, I slammed the laundry room door, I slammed anything I could find to slam in the laundry room, and it kind of ended with me shaking my fists above my head in anger while I was yelling at my husband, and he was standing back so calm, he just taken it all in, and he said, okay, I, I hear that. <laughs> Let's just calm down. Let's talk it through. We'll get it figured out. And we did. He was very gracious to me. But in that moment, I was totally his enemy. I was Ben's enemy because I was offending him. I was dishonoring him. I know I had to be irritating him and angering him. I was his enemy. So why in the world would God tell us to do this hard thing of loving our enemies when we feel like it's probably the very last thing that they deserve? I didn't deserve Ben's grace. Well, as I've been praying about this sermon, God keeps whispering over and over to me, and it's for us to hear this weekend what he wants us to know. He keeps saying, I care about your hearts. I care about your hearts. I care about your hearts. And I sense that the overarching message that he wants to give us is that he cares about the well-being of what's deep inside of us, the parts that nobody sees or may know about, he wants them to be healthy. And as we were singing earlier, we sang, God, you are awesome. You spoke and you created all things. And God created our hearts. He spoke. He created our hearts. And he cares about them. He wants them to be healthy. Now, I want to be extra sensitive to those of you who may be experiencing some very significant enemies right now. And God may be telling you that you just need to love them from a distance. And so as we continue talking about this, I, I just want to say there are times we do have to set up healthy boundaries. So just keep that in mind. So we're going to pray. If you need a Bible, feel free to grab one. 
around the room, and we'll read our passage together. So let's pray. Lord, we welcome your presence, and we just acknowledge, God, that we need to be taught. We need your teaching. We just ask you to soften our hearts for whatever seems hard or harsh. Would you just help us see your heart behind it all? and your love for us, and how you care about us. Just have your way. Have your way here, Lord. Amen. Okay, so let's read Matthew 5. It's verses 38 to 48. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let's just start with a little bit of historical background here, because I think it's going to give us a better understanding of what Jesus is trying to say So when Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, he's actually quoting God the Father here. This is a law that God gave his people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, and he gave it to them roughly 1,500 years prior to when Jesus is teaching right now in this sermon. And in Exodus chapter 21, this law is listed under the heading personal injuries. That's the heading. And God here was giving rules for situations where someone inflicted personal harm to another person. So he said, if someone hurts you to the point of causing loss of eyesight or loss of teeth, then that needs to be done in turn to that person. He also listed things like wound for wound or life for life. And I know that might sound kind of harsh to us today, but we need to have an understanding of what was happening in history at this time. Because you see, God's people, the Jews, they were surrounded by lots of other people groups, and they were all pagan. And they followed laws that, and had forms of justice that really were not forms of justice at all. They were actually super extreme. 
So, for instance, if someone caused loss of, loss of a tooth, they might just take that person's life. Or if someone damaged like your little pinky finger, it might get in return like a broken arm or a broken leg. So it's super extreme and super unfair. And people took matters into their own hands. They dealt out punishments as they saw fit. And this caused feuds to just grow out of control. And people were just trying to one-up the other over and over more severely. But God did something completely countercultural. He said that with his people, things were going to be different. He taught his people not to retaliate with overpunishment or revenge. And he gave these laws that reflected who he is, that, that he is fair, he's good, he's a just God, he wants justice. And then we fast forward 1,500 years later, and Jesus is talking about this. He's talking about it with his followers who actually face a lot of enemies in their time. Because you see, there were other nations that had come in and overrun their country, and they, they were making them follow harsh laws. They were making them pay high taxes. And there was also a lot of division among the Jewish people, too. Some of them had become very rich, while many remained very poor, and the rich were taking advantage of the poor. They were um, suing them with these just astronomical lawsuits that the people had no way of paying back. No way. So here's Jesus and what I love about him, how he teaches, is that he gives some situations that his followers face every day. He shares these real life situations and he says, well, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with them two miles. So these might be some situations that we're not very familiar with, but in Jesus' day, if someone struck you on the cheek, it usually meant they took the back of their right hand and they hit you with it, and it meant, yes, it was violence, but it most commonly meant that you were insulting that person. You were saying that they were an inferior and then Jesus talks about, well, what if you are sued to the extreme where someone takes everything you have, including the shirt off your back? This would be someone who is forced to just become beyond poor, a nobody in society. And then Jesus says, well, what if someone forces you to walk a mile? And this is referring to the Roman military because the Roman military was occupying Israel at this time. And just at the drop of a hat, a Roman soldier had the right to go up to a Jew and say, all right, right now you have to carry my equipment and you have to carry it for a mile. And so in essence, that was kind of in an instant, that person became a slave 
without a right to speak up, to have a voice. And in all these difficult real life situations, Jesus speaks of a new kind of justice. It's revolutionary. He says, if your enemy slaps you, give him the other cheek to slap. Give him your coat as well. Walk way more than they expect you to walk with them. And Jesus is showing that God is all about behaviors of the heart. And then Jesus keeps going. He doesn't stop yet. And he says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now here Jesus is no longer quoting God the Father. He's actually quoting a popular teaching in that day of some of the religious leaders. And this teaching was widely accepted and had just kind of become a part of the Jewish ethic, the Jewish way of life. But those words, hate your enemy, they are nowhere to be found in the Bible. They were not in the Old Testament. They were not in God's law. He never said that. And this is an example of how the religious leaders had made God's laws what they wanted them to be. They had totally switched them around and they had gotten away from the heart of God. As a matter of fact, we can really see what God's heart is. There's a law that he gave in Exodus chapter 3 verses four and five, and it says, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. And in Proverbs, the people were told to feed their enemies. And if their enemies were thirsty, to give them some water to drink. So God said to treat your enemies well, not to hate them. And so as we hear these words of Jesus, just remember, whatever Jesus did, he had perfect communion with God the Father, and he only did what God told him to do, what God told him to say. And so what Jesus is really communicating here, he's just saying, listen, You've heard that you're supposed to love the people who love you and that you can hate your enemies, but that's never what my father said. I'm here to tell you what the father is saying, and I say to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I can't help but wonder some reactions in the audience when they heard this. I wonder if there were lots of gasps, because this was really shocking. Or maybe people thought Jesus had misspoken here. Like, Jesus, did you really say that? Did you mean to say something else? Or there had to be people thinking, well, I could never do that. Never. And I wonder if there were some people when they heard this who said, now, Jesus, if this is what you're expecting of me, I don't really know if I can follow you anymore. And we may be thinking the same things this morning. Maybe you're thinking some of those things. I know I think those things. Because it's hard to even consider loving our enemies. 
and to pray for them. But what we do know is that Jesus was communicating the heart of God for his people here. And if you're taking notes, here's where we come to the first point on our outline. And it is God's heart toward us. God's heart toward us. So when we look at this history, we see why God gave laws to his people in the first place. He gave laws to promote justice, good relationships, to foster peace, because he wants the best for his people. And one of the things I love about God is that he doesn't ask us to do something that he won't do. We see here in our passage in verse 45, this is talking about God. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So this morning, the sun came up and God caused that to happen for those who hate him just as much as for those who woke up to follow him. And this past week when we got rain to water our yards, our flowers, our gardens, our crops. God did that just as much for people who have no, have no want to follow him, just as much as for those who are in church today, right now. And while God had so many enemies, including us, he still sent Jesus to them. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's where we see the heart of God. He's full of mercy. He deeply loves his enemies. And the heart of God deeply cares about our hearts. I think back to what Michael has said a couple times in this series. He said that whenever we see God's commands in the Bible, we should immediately equate that with loving Father. His commands equal loving Father because he wants what's good for us. And I can't even begin to count the times that I've had a bad heart toward others. I felt it become this resentful burden inside of me. And God knows that harboring dislike for other people, it only hurts us. It only damages us. Now, at the same time, he also knows that when we love our enemies, it is not saying that what they've done is okay. It's not validating their actions. But instead, loving our enemies is providing healing for us, for healing for our hearts. So that brings us to our next point, point number two, and that is our heart toward others. Our heart toward others. So together, let's look again at verses 44 and 45. Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And we're going to talk about some ways to love our enemies, but before we do that, I want to make clear something that God is not saying here. He is not saying that we have to love our enemies and pray for them 
in order to be God's sons and daughters. He's not saying that. I mean, these people that Jesus is talking to in this moment, God is already their father. They're already following him. And the Bible says over and over that there's nothing we can do to earn God's grace, to be his kids, to be in right relationship with him. It's all grace all the time. And I've learned after studying some of the Greek language and what Bible scholars have to say about this verse is that the language Jesus is using here more fittingly in our, in our English language means shows so that when we love our enemies, we show that we are children of God. It's not earning, it's just showing who we are, who our Father is. So, what does that look like? Because we all have enemies. Sometimes they're on a more large scale, such as terrorists who threaten our country, attack us. And there can be personal situations. So maybe at school there are kids who make fun of you or treat you badly. You know, I remember when I was in school, there was a friend who actually told some lies about me, and they spread through, and I just remember like not even wanting to be around people, because I didn't know what they thought of me, and I remember being resentful toward that person. Or maybe there's someone in your family who mistreats you, who pits others against you, Or you could be in a space at work where there is someone who does not like you and they make that very, very clear on a regular basis. Or maybe it's just in the day-to-day interactions at home with your family. Some of you may have disobedient kids. Your spouse might feel like your enemy. Because when we are around people we're comfortable with, it's easy for us to maybe say things that we wouldn't normally say to someone else because we might take people for granted who we're close to. So how do we love our enemies and not retaliate? Well, this passage helps us out. It shows us some ways. And before we go further, I do just want to say, if you're in a situation where God is telling you to love your enemies from a distance because it's for your safety or the safety of your family, that is okay. God will have us set up healthy boundaries. And if you need to talk to a pastor about what that looks like, I know there are pastors here who will talk to you. So the first way we love is we greet our enemies. We greet them. Our passage says, if you love those who love you, What reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? You know, it's really easy to greet someone you like. It's easy to go right up to them and say, oh, it's so good to see you. So good to see you. How have you been? But when we see someone we're at odds with, What do we want to do? Hide? Yes. I know, that can be part of my natural response too. Um, We want to avoid. 
I wanna avoid. I wanna maybe pretend like I didn't see them. I definitely don't wanna make eye contact. I might wanna walk away and hide. But Jesus says if we only greet people we like, there's nothing different between us and those who don't follow Jesus. And I've noticed there's something really huge that happens when we acknowledge a person, when we acknowledge their literal presence in the room. Because I think most of us have been ignored at one time or another. And do you remember what that feels like? Boy, it's an awful feeling because it makes us feel unimportant. It makes us feel like we don't have value, that, we're, that we might as well not even be there. So greeting someone is a way of showing love, is showing God's love. So how can you greet your enemies? Maybe it's choosing not to ignore, not to avoid someone who's disappointed you, who's called you names, who's lied to you. Maybe it's similar to that laundry room story with Ben and me, where your enemy is speaking very, very poorly directly at you, and all you want to do is walk out, but you keep greeting them, you keep engaging them with kindness. Jesus tells us to greet our enemies So the next thing we can do is we can show generosity. We be generous. We be generous people. Do you remember Jesus' instructions earlier when he told the people how to treat their enemies? He said, give them your other cheek to slap. Give them your coat as well. Carry their equipment even longer than they expected. Well, right after that, he says this in verse 42. He says, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And this entire portion of scripture is a picture of generosity. Jesus says when your enemies ask something of you or require something of you, that you give way more than they even saw coming. And by doing that, you're reflecting the generous nature of God because he is always so generous, gives us way more than we need or deserve. So I remember a few years ago, I was in the Kroger parking lot and I had just been inside the store shopping. I was getting some groceries for our family and this was at a point when um, we were quite tight on money. My husband had started a business and we didn't have a lot of money for groceries. And so I was in there trying to get as much as I could to make it stretch for our three robustly growing boys who eat a lot. And I was really excited that day because cereal was on sale. And it was the good kind of cereal. And you gotta know that in our family, cereal is like a love language. (laughs) 
And so I was really excited because I could buy this cereal. And I was so excited when I was checking out and walking back out to the car. And I was thinking, I cannot wait to get home, walk in the door, open the bag for my boys and say, look what you have. You have cinnamon toast crunch. And... um, So I was loading the groceries in the back of the car, kind of bent over, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this young lady kind of coming toward me. She's pushing a stroller. She has a little one in the stroller. And I already started to feel this irritation start to grow in me because I just had this feeling that she was going to ask me for something. I felt like she was going to ask me for money. And so she was kind of already starting to become my enemy. Um, And so I was looking down and I was kind of trying to not look at her, but still also out of the corner of my eye, see what was going on. She did approach me and she did ask for money. And my husband and I just have a policy because we don't know how people will use money that if someone approaches us, we usually will just kind of get to the heart of what they need. So if they need some gas, we'll, we'll put some in their tank or give their baby some formula, uh, buy them a meal, um, take them in shopping in a store. And, and so I said, well, I'm sorry, I don't have money to give you. I can't do that right now. And when I said that, I felt the Lord say, well, you can share your groceries. You can share your cereal. (laughs) I said, God, I don't want to share my cereal. This is our cereal. But I know he was telling me to do that. And I couldn't not (laughs) because he was telling me. And I've learned I've learned over time how that is just not good when I disobey him. And so I said, well, I have some groceries here. I'd like to share them with you. And then her reaction was that all of a sudden on her face, she kind of got this disgusted look. She got this mad look. And then she really started to become my enemy. (laughs) I started getting angry at her reaction. And she said, well, I guess that'd be okay. And so she was really feeling like my enemy. Because I was thinking, can you not be grateful for this? you, You have no idea what a sacrifice this is for our family right now. So... She took some of the groceries, she took some of the cereal, and as I was driving away, I was just like, Lord, that was so disappointing. That was so frustrating. I mean, she was so ungrateful. She just didn't get it. And I felt him come in in that moment and bring comfort. And he said, I know that's not how you would have wanted it to go. I know you didn't receive any gratitude in that moment. He said, but what I wanted to do there, what I, God, wanted to do is be generous in that moment because I'm a generous God. So how can we keep being generous to our enemies? You know, this might mean giving things away or giving money, but it can also mean giving your time. 
When someone keeps asking you to do something for, for them, but you don't feel like doing it, when someone's asking for help, it can mean giving a good attitude, giving life-affirming words, or a pleasant disposition. So God knows our hearts will be healthy when they are generous. And he cares about that. So we've talked about greeting our enemies. We've talked about being generous to them. And the next point is that we pray. We pray for them. And this is kind of the real peak of our passage because Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. And now this one can get really hard because when we pray, we're not asking God to punish them or get even. We're asking our God, who we know can do anything, anything at all. We're asking him to treat our enemies well. We're asking for their salvation, for their good, the good of their family, for them to prosper, for their health, for their finances. We're praying that Satan would not, would not prosper with them, that his will would not be fulfilled with them. And sometimes we do need to pray that God would show them that what they're doing is wrong and for God to show them that they need to stop because that is truly for their good. But I wonder if God's reason for telling us to pray for our enemies is actually twofold. First, he loves our enemies. He wants to be in right relationship with them. He wants to bless them. And second, he knows that praying for our enemies is actually good for us. It's good for us. It softens us. It changes us. It gives us his heart. You know, I heard someone share once that it was very difficult for her to pray for an enemy. She had a really horrible enemy. It was just eating her up inside. But she knew that God commanded to pray for this person. And so she started with a very simple kind of begrudging prayer. She had no love in her heart for them, but she said, bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. And as she kept praying over time, she was able to pray a little longer and a little longer, a little longer. And slowly, more heartfelt prayers began to come out of her mouth. And she started to notice that praying for her enemy had actually developed a love in her heart for that enemy. And sometimes when we start to pray, just like her, there will be zero zip love for that person. So as we pray, I wonder if a good way to start would actually be, God, help me pray for her. God, help me pray for him. Because it's good for us to remember that we are enemies to someone. I am someone's enemy. You are someone's enemy. And it, one thing we can do is we can say, well, how would I want that person I've hurt, that person I've offended, 
how would I want them to pray for me? And that'll help us know how to pray for our enemies. So just to recap, we've talked about God's heart toward us and our heart toward others. And now we're going to wrap things up with our last point. And our last point, number three, is our heart toward God. Our heart toward God. So at the very end of our passage here, Jesus says this. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we've all got that one covered, don't we? We can just check that box right off. <laughs> no, I, I'm totally kidding, because when I hear this, my first response is, how in the world? How in the world can I do that? I mean, I mess up on a daily basis, all the time. How can I be perfect? But what Jesus is really saying here is that God has given us the perfect example of how to live. He has shown us. And yes, we are to aim toward that. That is to be our goal. But at the same time, we're human and we make mistakes. We miss the target. But there's one perfect person who covers all of our imperfections and he allows us to stand perfect. And he allows us to stand forgiven before God. That's Jesus. That's who we've been listening to this whole time. It's all Jesus. And I get choked up because he makes the way for us to fulfill his very words of be perfect. He doesn't ask something of us without giving us a way to do it, and it's him. I mean, when we look at our passage here in Matthew about turning the other cheek, giving our clothes, walking an extra mile, Jesus did every one of those things, every single one. He did them all throughout his life, and he actually did them all in a short amount of time as he was walking to the cross as he was going to that cross. That day, he did every single one of them. He was beaten by his enemies over and over. He didn't fight back. They took all of his clothes. They fully shamed him. He was naked. And after that, the soldiers made him walk. They made him walk. He carried his own cross. And when he was nailed on the cross, do you remember what he did when he was hanging there dying? He looked directly at his enemies. He looked at them and he prayed for them. He prayed for them and he said, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. And the fact is, every single person has been an enemy of God at one point or another in our lives, and maybe you still are. Maybe you still feel that you're an enemy of God. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for all of us, so that all we have to say is, Jesus, I love you. 
I do not want to be your enemy anymore. I do not want to be your enemy. And when we say that, God sees us as forgiven. He sees us as perfect because of what Jesus did. And so there are some of you who may have prayed that many times. But there may be some of you who haven't. You feel like you need to pray it. So I just want to take a minute, if you don't mind, to just maybe bow your head, close your eyes, so we're just not looking around and we're focusing on, on this prayer. If you want to pray that, if you want to say, God, I don't want to be your enemy anymore, I just invite you to pray along with me. It's just a simple prayer of Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you made a way for me to be perfectly forgiven and perfectly right with God. I just say that, God, I do not want to be your enemy any longer. I choose to follow you. I ask you to forgive me. I love you. That's all it takes. You can raise your heads. That's all it takes. You're forgiven. You are perfect. And if you prayed that prayer just now, I just really encourage you to tell someone. It's a big deal. We want to celebrate with you. Tell me, tell a pastor, tell a friend. And also, please, we just ask if you would fill out that card, that connect card in your bulletin, just so that we know about your decision. We want to help you here.